Isaiah chapter number 43, verse number 1 through to 7. Isaiah 43, verse number 1 through to 7. Let's hear the word of God. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Hallelujah. Then, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and go through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt a ransom for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for your place. Since you, are, you were precious in my sight, you have been honored. Look at your neighbor and tell, tell them, I have been honored by God. And I have loved you. Therefore, I will, give you, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not, with, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Hallelujah. I want us to read Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 as a family. So, the first one I read it to you. The second one you are going to read to me. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 12 to 13. Is that okay? Have you found it? Let's read. Ready, go. Not that I have already obtained this. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do... Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I, is that, oh. Let's read 14. Let's read 14. I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And this was the famous Apostle Paul saying that not that I have already obtained all this, or I have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself taking hold of it. But one thing I do, I forget the things that are behind and I stretch forth for the things that are ahead So and I press for, for it that I may understand that which he apprehended me for. Hallelujah. In other words, Paul wanted to understand why he was called and chosen. Amen. 
We've been talking the whole month on the subject chosen. Amen. Which means chosen. Amen. And I said to you that to be chosen means to be picked by preference or to be appointed. Amen. And I said to you that the chooser decides and determines the reason for which he chose the person he chose. Hallelujah. If God is the chooser and he has chosen us, it also means that there is an option. You don't choose when you don't have an option. For instance, none of us chose our parents. I hear Sharon's mom and dad are in. Dad and mom, where are you? Oh, wow. Dad, dad. Oh, wow. Oh, it's, and sister. Mom, yeah, mom is here. Mom looks like sister these days. She's getting younger and younger. I don't know what is going on. Uh, we, I think we have to have a discussion after church. How mom is looking younger than daughter. It's, it's, not, it's not a small something. <laughs> Anyways, moving swiftly on. What was I saying? I said, if there is, if there is no option, you just stick to it. None of us chose our parents. You didn't have a choice in the matter. Because I am sure, I don't know about you, Sharon, don't lift up your hand, but if you were given the option, I don't think you'd have chosen, maybe you probably would have chosen mom, but not dad. Or if maybe you have chosen dad and not mom. If you know, if you, give me a wave. I know you can't lift up your hand. Lift an eyebrow. Hallelujah. Yeah, we probably wouldn't have chosen the color we are in. We wouldn't have chosen where the country we came from. We would not have chosen certain things. Hallelujah. Uh, but we have, we have been chosen because the one who chose us had a preference for us. Hallelujah. He had a reason for choosing you. And so Paul was saying that uh, I don't think I have arrived yet. I don't think I am there yet. I now want to understand the reason why he chose me. Because if I can understand why he chose me, then I can fulfill purpose. Because the, the absence of, of a reason for a choice can easily lead to abuse. Can easily lead to misuse. If you don't understand why you are chosen, you can misbehave. Are, are you with me? You don't understand why the guy chose you. Maybe the guy chose you because you are very, very diplomatic. You don't talk too much. You don't blurt out everything. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then all of a sudden, after they chose you, you begin to talk anyhow. Behave anyhow. Dress anyhow. All the diplomacy has left you. What do you think will happen? Then the person who chose you, chose you will, will begin to doubt his choice and begin to wonder why he chose you. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? If I chose you, it means I have a reason for you. And if I have the reason, then it behooves on you to find out the reason why I chose you. Hallelujah. You need to understand why you are chosen. Hallelujah. So, 
the topic, if you are looking for a topic, is the reason why he chose you. The reason why he chose you. He chose you for a reason. Hallelujah. He chose you for a reason. And we've just read in Isaiah 43. And the background story to Isaiah 43 was people had been dispersed. People were very, very uh, confused, defeated. They had been scattered. They were all over the place. And so um, the uh, prophets, by the inspiration of God, decided to tell them what was on the mind of God. He says that, but now that says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. Now, O Jacob is, and O Israel are two people in one. Jacob was the man that was given birth to as a hill catcher. A supplanter, a trickster, are you with me? A guy that was dodgy. He came holding the brother's leg. He wanted to be first, but the brother was being first, and he wanted to trip the brother so that it would give him the opportunity to come out first. So, from the day he was born, he was called. A schema. Are you with me? And when he had an encounter with God, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. So anytime God wants to address his covenant with Jacob, he calls him Israel. Anytime God wants to address the anointing on him, he calls him Israel. But anytime God wants to remind him of his original behavior, he calls him Jacob. Are you with me? So it's that by now, remember that says the Lord who created you, oh Jacob, Mr. Trickster, and who formed you, oh man of God. So the same man is a trickster and is also a man of God. And he says that I have redeemed you. To redeem means to purchase. When you go to uh, the what do you call it, supermarket or boots, and you have some vouchers, and you go with the vouchers, and you you pick some uh, clothes or perfume or some uh, deodorant or whatever, and you take it to the counter, and you put the vouchers down. They will calculate the vouchers. If the vouchers up to what you have bought, then you can redeem those things with the vouchers. Are you with me? So he says that I have redeemed you, which means I have bought you. Nobody goes to buy rubbish. When you go to the shop and you buy something, it is because you have a need for it. Are you with me? Generally, it is because you need that thing. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so, oh, please, please pay attention. And those for my message. If he bought you, it means he had a need for you. It will be a mistake not to know why he bought you. So he says that, listen, I have not only bought you, but you are mine. And I have called, next verse, he says that you are mine. I have called, 
I, I will make sure I secure you. You don't buy an expensive, valuable thing and carelessly leave it anywhere. When you buy it, it means you protect it. When you buy it, it means you would make sure that that thing, you know, like you've gone and bought the latest iPhone. You don't just buy it and carelessly leave it on the chair and go home and call that, have you seen my phone? It's only a, a, one person in this room I know who would do something like that. Hallelujah. Let's be in church and let's be serious. Praise the Lord, amen. But, but if it's expensive and you bought it, you guard it. So God is making sure that he jealously guards you. He jealously takes care of you. And he says that even if you don't feel worthy, even if you don't feel, if you feel less than, I want you to know that I will die for you. I will even uh, exchange, exchange the Gentiles for you. I will make sure that I sacrifice anything because of you. Hallelujah. And the reason is because I chose you, I want you, and I have a plan for you. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God has a plan for me. His plan is to prosper me. His plan is good. I know the plans that I think towards you. They are plans of good and not of evil to give you a lift and a raise and to bring you to an expected end. Hallelujah. But sometimes Satan will do anything to distract us and make us not understand the value we have in him. And to, to, to make us lose sight of the reason for which he has actually bought us. Because when the, the person who bought you wants you to use you for something and you refuse to be used by, for that thing, it, it, it becomes a problem in the hand of the person. Chances are he would draw, have to drop that thing and go and purchase something else or somebody else and use that person because this one has forgotten why they were chosen. Are you with me? A husband chooses you, puts a ring on your, on your finger, and then you begin to have sex with other men. At a, at a, at a point, even though the man wanted you, um, uh, amongst all the women, the man chose you and honored you with a ring and everything, he may have to divorce you. Because you don't understand the reason why you were chosen and honored. Hallelujah. So let's go through a few things and a few reasons why God chose you. Hallelujah. Number one. The reason number one. Have you got my notes? Have you checked your email? I am learning to be a Christian. He chose you because he wanted you to be his friend. Very nice, isn't it? In Mark chapter 3 verse 14, 
He says that then Jesus appointed the twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out. Amen. The first reason was to be with him. In John chapter 15 verse 16, he says that you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I ordained you. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hallelujah. In in, in verse 13, let's go to verse 13, 13 and 14. He says something there. No, 14 and 15. He says that you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made it known to you. Amen. You are a friend. Hallelujah. One day, Jesus was preaching. And um, somebody came and said, your, your mother, uh, it's Matthew 12, 46. Said, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. And Jesus turned about him and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Then he said, these ones. These ones. Verse 49, he said, these ones. These. He stretched forth his hands and he said, here is my mother and my brothers. Because I wanted them to be with me and they are with me. My biological family, they didn't want to be with me. They are outside. And now that I am with my real family here, they want me to leave this family and come and attend to them. Hallelujah. So it will be, um, it will be unfortunate that you don't spend time with him. Very unfortunate. He chose you to be with him. He chose you to be a friend. You know, imagine playground. Imagine your six-year-old, five-year-old you. Or a three-year-old you. You run around the playground for the first day at school. You run around and run around. And you see somebody that you think you can gel with. And you say, I want you to be my friend. Then you start pulling the person everywhere you are going. Say, this is my friend. This is my friend. What's your name? Michael. Have you seen my friend Michael? How many know what I'm talking about? And that is how they make friends. And if Michael is very, very fidgety and very easily distracted, Michael is distracted and walks away. And then, Michael, Michael, where have you gone? Come, you are my friend. Come and play with me. And Michael is chasing... Butterflies. (laughs) Butterflies <laughs> and birds in the place, then you get very upset because you chose Michael, but Michael is interested in butterflies and he wanders off. Then you say, You are not more my friend, you are not a friend again, you are not my friend again, I don't like you. Go and find another friend. Why? Because when I chose him. He was choosing butterflies. He doesn't want to be with 
How many understand what I'm saying? In the same way, God has chosen you to be a friend. I want you by my side. I want us, he says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They, though they, they be like crimson, they, they will be as white as wool. Just come, let's reason together. I want you around me. Let's hang out. Ask your neighbor, when was the last time you prayed by yourself? Ask your neighbor, when was the last time you hung around with the Lord? By yourself alone. Because you were chosen to be with him. You were chosen to be my rather die. Hallelujah. I want you by my side. Before I think, you have thought. You know what I'm thinking before I finish thinking? Eye contact, we know exactly what we are doing next. I remember my uh, primary school had my friend were neighbors and were in the same primary school together. We can speak a whole conversation. You will be sat next to us and you will never understand anything we are saying. But we understand everything we are saying because we had our own language. The impromulgation of the... You shall continue the language. The impromulgation of the exbities has chatterized my polite men to tell you. You understand, but it's a proper language. We, we, know, we understand what we are saying. And we, we have a conversation. You'll be sitting there, we're talking about you. How many had something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, have a, we'll have a total. We'll have, we'll have a conversation about you, and you'll be sat next, and you'll be smiling. I will sold you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Very quickly, number two. Let, let's, have you found it, or you still don't have it? Hey, people. Okay. He chose you because he loved you, he loved you before time began. Ephesians 1, 4 to 6. He says that he chose us in him before creation, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonships through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glory, his gracious glory, which he has freely given us in the given us in the beloved. Hallelujah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says that before I formed you, Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were in your mother's womb, I ordained you. Hallelujah. I had a reason for you. Amen. He said, I ha- I, I formed you because I loved you. You know, love is something that demands a reaction, isn't it? When somebody loves you, you have to love them back. 
Are, are you with me? When they show love to you, you have to love them back. And the Bible says that in this, we know that you are really the sons of God when you have love. When you have love for him and for what he loves. See, you can never, uh, you can never um, convince me that you love me if you don't love what I love. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. So when you love, you show your love for him by loving what he loves. If he loves his people, you must love his people. If he loves his work, you must love his work. If he loves his house, you must love his house. Whatever he loves, that is what you must love as well. Do not, do not, do not love a man and hate his children. Then we question the love you have. Do not love a man and hate his wife. Then what is your reason for loving the man? You love the lady, but you can't stand her children. There's a problem there. Hello? Hello? Are we okay? Yes. Number, he chose you because he had the work for you. He chose you because he had a job for you. When Jesus had finished choosing his disciples and training them, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said to them, now that I've finished training you, now that we said, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and you are going to be what? You receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the utmost part of the world. Hallelujah. I have chosen you, I have trained you, and now I am going to give you the power to go and do why, what I chose you for. I have work for you. It will be a shame that you will go through the choosing process, go through the training process, and not deliver. That is why none of us name our children Judas. Because Judas was chosen. Judas was trained. Judas was appointed. But at the time of delivery, Judas was hanging himself. So Judas is a disappointment. Hallelujah. And before we stone Judas... Before we throw stones at Judas, you have also been called. You have also been chosen. You have also been trained. You have also been empowered, but you have never gone out to be a witness. You never moved from your Jerusalem. You never told anybody about the love of God. You never ever lifted your voice one day to speak to somebody 
about the difference Jesus has made in your life. So before you, you, you accuse Judas, look at yourself in the mirror. Are you fulfilling purpose? You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you and ordained you as a uh, pastor that you should go out and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. But you're always talking about the wages when you haven't done the job. And and, and we like to, 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 to sing songs. Abraham blessings are mine. Abraham blessings are mine. For the Lord on the throne. No, no, you, you changed my song. We are interested in the blessings of Abraham. Interested in the prosperity. We want the wages. But if you read the scripture, it says that anything you ask the father in my name, he'll give it to you. That's the wages. But before the wages, he expects you to go and do the job. There's work to do. His work. In Matthew 28, it says that you should go out and make disciples of me. Hallelujah. Are you in Matthew 28? I am very surprised you people say you don't have my notes because I sent it to you. Not unless the people in my office distracted me whilst I was sending, pressing send, so I didn't get to send. Matthew 28, 19. That's to tell you not to come into my office before service because you come and distract me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. I have chosen you to go out there and spread my word. Spread my love. Spread my message. Win souls for Christ. Right. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, when was the last soul you wore for Christ? The last time you won a soul for Christ. What do they say? Oh, they are not minding you. They are looking straight. If they didn't answer, say to them, if you don't do the job, don't ask for the wages. How many in this place, if you employ somebody and they don't do the job and they come to you for their salary, you'll be happy to pay them. Give me a wave. Oh, so if you are God, you will not bless people. Huh? <laughs> eh? If you are God, you will not bless people. But that's what we are saying. But we go to him every day asking for more blessings, more blessings, more blessings. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Oh, Lord. Bless me indeed. Enlarge. You want the territory enlarged when you haven't done anything with what he gave you. Hallelujah. The next one 
He called you. He appointed you to go and show forth his glory. Ah, 1 Peter 2. He says that you are priests, you are kings, you are royalty. He has called you, he has appointed you that you should go and show forth his glory. Hallelujah. Verse 9 says that by you a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you are not received mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Hallelujah. So he has called you to show forth his glory. Amen. When somebody says you are showing forth glory, what does it mean? It means you are, what you are doing is heaping praise on me. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. He has called you so that your life become a glorification of him. You know, when you have a child and your child goes to school and they win all the prizes, it's a glory to the parents. How many understand that? You, 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 the parent enjoys it better than the, the child because it is glorious. It, 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 it beautifies you. If you are a farmer and you go into your farm and the produce are big and beautiful and it looks, your harvest looks very, very ripe. The pineapple looks very, very ripe. How many know that you feel very proud as a farmer? If you are a farmer of, a sh- of sheep and you go into your your, your, your uh, farm, and you see a lot of big, fat uh, sheep waiting to, 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 to be harvested. You feel very proud that your hard work has been your hard work has been glorified. Are you with me? So when you are elevated, God receives the glory. I don't, I don't know whether you understand. When you are promoted, God receives the honor. The, the, the beautification of you is his glory. Oh, yes. The day, that is why, you see, that is why you must not hide your testimony. Because your testimony glorifies God. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. If you are a king, he says that he has, he, he has called you to be what? Kings and priests. When you are a king and you walk in royalty, you bring glory to the crown. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Recently, they kicked uh, Prince Harry out because his behavior was not becoming of a prince. Are you with me? He was not bringing glory to the crown, so they kicked him out. That go. We, they removed his royal highness from his name because he is not glorifying the crown. If ordinary crown, ordinary family can, re- can remove the crown from you because you are not bringing glory. How much more God? When you fail to honor him, when you fail to behave as royalty, when you fail to to, to present yourself as a priest, he will take the glory away from you because he called you to 
beautify you, to honor you, and to appoint you. You know, nobody's born a king. You may fall in line, but at some point in your uh, life, we have to enthrone you and make you the king. Somebody has been waiting for 70-something years. Are you getting what I'm saying? Until the day they put a crown on his head, he was never king. He was wishing for a long time, for decades, to become king. But you cannot become king because they have to crown you. And once you are crowned, you have to behave in a certain way. The royal family are taught how to walk. They are taught how to eat in public. They are taught how to talk. They have certain protocols, certain ethics that you have to learn because any misbehavior brings dishonor to the crown. Are you understanding what I'm saying? In the same way, God has called you as royalty. God has called you as priests and kings. God has called you to show forth his glory. So anything you do wrong is, affects God's glory. I don't know whether you understand. Am I preaching to a, a, the church? I, I can't hear you at all. I think I'm preaching better than you're amening. Uh, hallelujah. So, you see, when you go to school and you get good grades, it's his glory. When you get promotion, you work hard and they give you a commendation, you are the employee of the year, it is his glory. Because you say that it is Christ in me, his power in me, that is bringing the beauty and the glory. So, he says there and says, check my son out. Check my daughter out. There is nobody like my son. There is nobody like my daughter. See my son, Job. That how there is no man like him. Amongst the people of the east, look at him. And then and Satan said, does Job serve you for not? Is it not because you have hurt his goods and you have protected him? That is why. You see, that is how God boasts about you and I. When we walk worthy of his glory, he boasts in us because he called you to show forth his glory. This is the time for you to learn how to share your testimony. This is the time to learn how to walk in royalty. This is the time for you to learn to know that every action you, you, every action you take is either giving glory to him or is bringing dishonor to him. So the way you behave is very important. As a priest, you have to learn how to behave. Because you bring disgrace to the grace of God on your life and to the pulpit. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So there are things that, Paul says that all things are lawful. But not everything is helpful. I can't do everything. I will not allow myself to be brought under some reproach. Because I know that my behavior either brings glory to him or dishonor to him. Hallelujah. So you have been called to show forth his glory. Learn to share your testimony. Because your testimony brings glory to him. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. When you don't share your testimony, you are dishonoring his favor on your life. When you refuse to praise him, for what he has done, you are bringing disfavor and dishonor to him. It's time for us to learn how to glorify God. Do I have time? Or... 
I can give you one more. Okay. Next one. What number am I on? Number five. All right. How am I doing? He has called you. He has called us to live in fellowship with his son and his people. Amen. In, in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, it says that God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. If he has called you to have fellowship with him and with his people, then don't move yourself from fellowship with him and his people. Hallelujah. Bible says that do not neglect the assembling of ourselves. Hebrews 10.25 Assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. The manner of some is not to be in the fellowship. It's not to be in the assembly of the brethren. It's not to be with him. But so much the more when you see the evil day approaching, you have to learn to be around him. The reason why Judas was easily gotten away from the other uh, disciples is because he always liked to be out of fellowship with him. Jesus called him to be in fellowship with him, but he was always out. And because he was out, it was easy to get him. There's a scripture that talks about two disciples. And he said, And Satan sought to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you concerning Peter. And in the same verse, he says, And Satan entered Judas. Two people. They are disciples of Jesus. But the Bible says that one Jesus had to ask permission. Oh, please, if you don't mind, can I enter into... Satan had to ask for permission to, uh, uh, with Jesus. If you don't mind, can I enter Peter? And he says, no. But as for Judas, there was no need. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Next verse. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Then when you go down, he says, and Satan entered Judas. No permission needed. No permission at all. Why? Because he was never in fellowship. Ask yourself, where was, where was Peter, uh, Judas, when Jesus was having a conversation with the disciples, he was with the high priest collecting money. Collecting bribe. And verse 2, go to verse 2. Luke 22, 2. Is it 23? 22, 2 and 3. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him. For they feared the people. 20, verse 3. Then Satan entered Judas. No permission needed. Can, can you see it? No permission needed. He just entered. 
There was no follow request. There was no friendship request. Straight. Why? Because he was open. When you don't have fellowship with him, you are open. And when you are open, you are susceptible to any demonic plan. You fall straight into the plot of Satan. That is why the Bible says, let us not neglect the fellowshipping of ourselves together. Because iron sharpens iron. So a man, the countenance of his brother. As you stay in the house of God, it's easier to be sharpened. It's easier for you to be protected. When a head of antelopes or a head of cattle or whatever, when they are together, it's very difficult for the lion to catch them. But what they do is they try to scatter. They try to bring offenses. They try to, you know, do something to isolate somebody. Once you are isolated, you become a prey. It is easy for them to catch you. Hallelujah. So let us not neglect the assembly of ourselves. Let us never neglect fellowshipping with God. Stay together. I said last week, no matter how smelly the act is, it is better and safer than outside. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Because in the act, can you imagine all the animals two by two by two by two are inside? The, the, the stench, the offense. It's like the lion is looking at the antelope in the sideways. The antelope is going to uh, Noah say, Uncle Noah, I don't like the way the, 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 the lion is looking at me and he's going, he's growling. I don't like that. And then the, the, the elephant is passing by and brings a big dump. And then the antelope says, oh, what is that? And gets offended because they almost pull on his leg. But no matter the offenses and the stench and the hurts that was happening inside the ark, it was safer, it was better because outside was water all over. And you are going to drown when you jump out of the ark. Hallelujah. It's better. Somebody was saying that you will never see a black person going under to go and see what the Titanic looks like. <laughs> you pay $250,000 to sit on this small... Uh, somebody said that when they entered and they saw that the joysticks and the gadgets look like Nintendo joysticks. It should have told them something that this thing will not survive under. But whatever the reason, it is safer on the land <laughs> than going 30,000 to go and see a Titanic. Let the Titanic stay where it is. I'll watch the movie. I don't have to pay one dollar. One It is safer in the house of God. I say it's safer in the presence of God. So the psalmist says that, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Because yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For what? For he is with me. 
His rod and his staff will comfort me. Hallelujah. Because he consistently anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. Hallelujah. I pray for all of us that we will continually show forth the glory and understand the reason why he apprehended us. Stand to your feet.